Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to episode 134 of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Sean Wisniewski of the uh, Corner Workshop, uh, and coming to you live from a hotel on the outskirts of Columbus, Ohio. Oh, on, Sean, uh, I knew you were away. I didn't know you were in the outskirts of Columbus. This changes everything. In, well, how's that? Uh, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and with me, that the dulcet tones you just heard, is my co-host, Yami Plotky. Well, thank, and, uh, thank you, Sean. I've been called many things, but dulcet is not one of them. <laughs> and today, we're going to be talking, uh, among other things, about pattern makers vices or specifically the Yami's vices whatever they may be uh, okay <laughs> no and and just to uh to press on the columbus thing not that you care where columbus is but it is where one of uh, your friend and mine brian prusa lives so i may hit him up tomorrow as we have time in the evening i think you Maybe. should I think I should. I want I want you to directly report to the, about that legendary walk from his driveway back to his shop. Oh, it's like seven miles the, or something ridiculous like if, that. Really? Wow! I, if I, I get know, the chance, I think it's I think it's a long distance. I don't. I I hope it's not seven miles. That would be a very large yard. Yes, it would. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I'm on location, <laughs> um, not any particular location. Uh, what's going on in your shop? Well, um, not all that much because the computer was still sitting on the table saw when I came back from recording last week. So that's, oh. a, that's a good indication of how much I've gotten done. That is a good indication. Um, Stop sticking your tongue out at me, wife. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I think that since we're just uh, we're kind of winging this episode because normally we're ever so prepared for the episodes, but we're oh, kind of winging this one. Uh, why don't we just jump right into the into the topic? Sure. So, so you you have vices. <laughs> I do have vices, <laughs> but don't we all? <laughs> don't we all? Um, no, but particularly you 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 know mentioned to me. Let's talk about pattern makers' vices because you have one. Yes, and you're preparing to install it. I'm guessing. Maybe. Yes, preparing is perhaps the right term. Okay. Um, I mean, it's in that discovery phase of I've got the thing. I know I need to stick it on that thing over there. Where do I put it? How am I going to use it? And you hope to put it in the best place for the use that it has. Well, kind of. Oh, or the worst. I don't know. No, you're. I've <laughs> got. I've got the thing. I.e., the pattern maker's vice. Yes. And I know but it you... needs to be installed in a bench. <laughs> That's where my uh, my process ends at this point. So uh, let's let's talk first of all maybe some specifics. Do have we talked about this? I have a feeling we've talked about this vice before. We spoke about the vice when I first ordered it. Um, I've had it now for probably about two months, and it's been sitting in this delightful box from Highland Hardware that's taking up valuable shop floor space. That's the one. So yeah. it is a whose pattern? It's a somebody's pattern. It's the it's, it's the Highland woodworking one, which okay having done a couple months of research before I bought it, I would say I'm about 95% sure it's the exact same vice that um, Woodcraft sells as as a Woodcraft oh. vice. 
Okay. Um, and I know uh, Paul, Mar- Paul Marcel has the Woodcraft version. I've spoken with him about it. He's got a video about it, but then I, 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 di- I directly spoke with him about it, and he liked it when he first installed it, still really likes it, says it's performing very well. Um, Morton has the Highland one. Now, admittedly, Morton does the videos for Highland, uh, so he's getting paid to do it. But that being said, he's not a, sh- he's not a shill, and I trust him. Um, and he went through exactly how it works and everything in the video. And in looking at the photos, it's literally the same photo they both use uh, huh. for the vice. So I'm pretty sure that there's just a foundry somewhere in China that is casting these things, and they're both buying them from the foundry, would be yeah. my guess. So, um, the, the, I guess then going to the end, and I'm, I'm completely falling blind here. I don't have a research tool in front of me. Um, if from what I know, and I know very little about pattern makers vices, these things articulate, right? They can twist sideways. Yes. Okay. Can, so for anyone who's not familiar with a pattern makers vice, it's a, it's right. a metal vice. It's a right. fairly rectangular, not quite. There's a little tab in the middle, but it's basically a, a rectangular or square, rather, excuse me, it's mainly square rather than rectangular vice head. So on on one side, it's flat across the top, and the head rotates 360 degrees. Right. So on the bottom, there's there's more of a single tab in the middle, and there's various spots for the inner and outer jaw to hold bench dogs. Um, the, the outside face, I guess the face that's closest to you when you open the vice, the face that moves back towards you, that right. face can pivot to clamp um, unevenly Ir- shaped things. Yeah, irregular shapes, right? I- yes, irregularly shaped things. Um, mm-hmm. so, so we've got a head that spins 360 that can pivot side to side to a, a couple of degrees. It's not like going to 45 degrees, but it'll go to, I think, 8 or 10 degrees, something like that. Um, okay. And then... You take that whole thing and it can – so you're thinking it's clamping a board that is at uh, vertical. Right. And you can take the face and it swings up towards you and will come – I don't think it goes quite to horizontal, but it comes close to horizontal. So now you can take a piece and really clamp it at any angle relative to you that you want. Really? If that, I didn't realize it could come up like that. Yes, it does. Um, okay. I don't. I, I, I'm not sure exactly how high it comes up. I think it comes past, let's say, 45. Um, but I don't think it comes all the way back down to 90. If we're saying it starts at zero, being vertical. Right. 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 Um, so, I'm just slightly curious. Why, why is it called a pattern maker's vice? I'm kind of flying by what I think is right here, which may not actually sure. be the truth. Um, Somebody but, can correct us. Fine. Um, I believe it. it goes down to pattern makers, and you, you when you go down to the tradition of woodworking pattern makers, I, I want to say they were patterns for casting things out of steel. I think you'd use the wooden pattern to then make a mold, and then you'd use the mold to cast the steel. I'm not. I'm mm-hmm. a little fuzzy on that process, but it was a very particular, very exacting um, trade that used. Lots of curves. If you think about a casting, mm-hmm. there's usually mm-hmm. you know curved gussets and things for structure and combination of structure and weight. So I presume that it's a pattern maker's vice because the pattern makers had to get all these refined curves on the patterns they were making, right? Um, and, and holding holding it at a good working angle and stuff like that. Exactly, is and that's advantageous. That's yeah. the appeal: is that it'll hold a piece at 
within reason at any angle or any attack angle you want to be so that rather than distort your body to approach it from a certain position, you move the vice and it's easy to approach from any given position. Right, right. Well, I, um, I, I assume it, they're, they're still making them. Somebody is at least. And so they're still in good favor. I mean, we're, we're living in a world where there are a myriad of leg vices, tail vices, I mean, traditional just bench vices. I mean, these things are still being produced in some regard. So there's still, you know, a relative need for them. And, and frankly, it doesn't matter. You, you have one. So we need to find a way to stick it and make you use it effectively. Yes, now, yes. And I, I'll preface this by saying I have basically every vice you've just named. Um, <laughs> so this is in addition to... Well, I have a... It's a it's a White Castle bench that I bought on. Wait, wait. They make um, don't they make sliders? They do make sliders. They also make okay. mediocre cheap benches. Okay. Um, it's a bench I got on Craigslist for a hundred bucks years ago. All right. And I've done a little bit to add weight to it and stiffen it so it doesn't rack. And I've dr- it had five eighths dog holes, so I've drilled about three quarters of them out to be three quarter inch dog holes. Okay. Um, and I've added a couple new ones. But that's really all I've done with this bench I have. It is basically a traditional Scandinavian design in that it has a face vise and an end vise. But the end vise is just a face vise installed at the end. It is not a um, a traditional end vise or anything like that. Right. So that's the bench that I've had for years. Right. Um, this- so go ahead. No, I was, gonna, oh, I was just going to rattle through all the other vices I have that have never oh, okay. installed. Um, but that's <laughs> what I have now. And as I, as I stare at it across the room, in the middle of it is the Sojaberg benchtop bench. I, I forget right. what they call it, but it's it's this little benchtop bench that gets clamped onto the bench. And it's not a moxin or anything. It's just a single normal face vice on it. But it's a, it's a beautiful piece of hardware. Um I was very pleasantly surprised by how nice that Soldierberg is, and right. I, so that I, has not, that has nothing but like dog holes and that face vice. That's correct. Right? That has nothing right. but it has a is a run of dog holes. The whole thing is probably about fourteen, maybe sixteen inches wide, and it has two rows of dog holes, one on either side. Um, oh, okay, okay. So there's dog holes in the in the vice jaw, and then there's dog holes that run down the uh, run down the bench itself. Uh, but again, it's just, it's really well made. It raises the work level up about, uh, about six, maybe eight inches above the normal bench height, which for little detailed work is nice. Um, right. I've just, I've grown quite fond of it. Um, I was not expecting to like it as much as I, as I do. And I, it, it's a semi-permanent, um, thing on my bench because I, I leave it on there all the very often, but it does take up a huge amount of, of bench real estate. I can't really use the bench when it's on the bench. Right. It's semi-permanent, but it is also always removable. Exactly. I mean, it's just a clamps holding it down. You can just go exactly. off to the there's side. A, there's a hold and, fast and, and two quick clamps that hold it in place. Right. So that's, that's fairly easy to move around. Slick. So, so you are wanting to put your pattern maker's vice on this bench? Question mark? What, or are you even thinking of putting it somewhere else in the shop that's not necessarily that bench? That's what I'm trying to figure out. What I'm tr- what I want to do is install and use my pattern maker's vice. 
Yes. As I see it, I have a couple of options, and I think some are kind of dumb, but that doesn't mean I won't consider them. Um, well, let's let let's start maybe with what do you hope to use that vice for? It's got variable holding. I'm envisioning power carving. Yes, that's absolutely that's, it. I plan to use okay. it for for shaping and carving, um, shaping both power and carving, carving and, and rasps and things like that. Um, right. I is think, that something that you take out to the you you broke up just a touch do there, Sean. Somehow throws. Oh, sorry. Do you sometimes throw that when you do you power carve outside? If you you know if you're going to throw massive dust, <sighs> sometimes, but rarely. Okay, I'm just wondering uh, if that's a concern at all. No, I it, if I can power carve outside, I certainly will. But, right. Um. My that's not a reason to put the. Uh, that vice on a pattern maker's vice or something portable right. exactly mm-hmm. um but i think that the pattern maker's vice will not only do all i've described but will also double as a regular bench vice um, right so when installed how much does it stick away i i believe that the the back of it the 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 fixed portion of the vice is is rebated into the bench am i right in thinking that you're, it, it doesn't it doesn't hold it outside of it. It's actually holding it flush against the face of whatever it's installed in. Not in most installations that I've. Oh, seen. okay. Um, so it by itself is just kind of out on the outside. There is a small steel plate, which I'm going to guess is like four inches by four inches, something of that neighborhood, that gets mm-hmm. recessed down flush with the surface of the bench, and that's actually the hinge that lets it swing oh. out. Okay. Um, but. In every one I've ever seen, the back vice, the back jaw of the pattern maker's mm-hmm. vice is proud of the apron of the bench. Yeah. Now, just out, not above, but just on the outside. Exactly. Just, just, right, just right. proud on the on the surface. Um, okay. Hmm. I think I could either pad the apron out or recess the pattern maker's vice so that the back jaw is flush with the apron. But I would have to, at a minimum, keep that padded apron far enough away that it still allows enough room for the pattern maker's vice to spin. Right. And I think yeah. that when I'm holding work, if I'm just holding work to, to plane the edge, which admittedly I very, I, I'm not planing most edges. They're running over my joiner. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would l- lose the ability to do that easily. If the pattern maker's vice is proud of the, f- the front apron of the bench. However, if I'm actually using it to to hold a piece that's going to be shaped, I think it would be beneficial to not have that apron in the way. So right. I'm thinking I leave it, I install it as most people do where it's well proud of the apron. The apron is basically in line with the hinge that lets it pivot up and down, which is behind the back apron. Right. The back vice, rather. Back, back vice jaw. Back vice jaw. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, these are very technical terms we're using here. Yes. Yes. Um, and I think I could, I could either just pad out the apron later, or I could make some sort of a, a, a like a bench hook that fits on top of the bench that that artificially pads the front apron out, oh. so I could it could be removable. Um, yeah, but that seems a bit much. It, Maybe it well it 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 goes back to the uh, the work holding class i took at fine woodworking live there were lots of things <laughs> like that um 
And okay. All things being equal, I could probably bang it out in an hour or two. So it's not a whole lot of work, but that comes back down to my current bench is the current bench. The top is only about three quarters of an inch thick. Um, it has like a four inch thick apron around the outside, but the actual body of the top is not particularly thick. Right. And the existing vices are crap. Huh. Um, they're, they're traditional wood, um, jawed metal screwed bench vices. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm familiar with the, the Schoesberg. Yeah. Benches look like with the right. Yeah. Bench. Well, the Schoesberg ones are very nice. I'm talking about my right. white side, my actual bench, not oh, a little okay. mini bench that's sitting on the, oh, right, right. The bench. Oh, right. Right. Okay. Yeah, um, which is yeah. basically the same style of vice, but crappier. Right. Um, the one benefit it has is that the back jaw of my current vice is the apron. Um, mm-hmm. so you do get that benefit, but when I look at my current bench, the the face vice, which is on the left-hand side, it's a right-handed bench, right now is only the left edge of the vice, which is the left edge of the bench. If you continue going to the left, about four inches away, you hit the joiner. Oh. Um, okay. And admittedly, I have in the shop some welded angle brackets that are going to make the joiner move but i right i have probably at least a day if not a day and a half of monkeying around to get the joiner up on the wheels and moving and i really should do that but i'm not motivated to um sure. so left in its current place i think if i were to put the pattern maker's vice in the same location as my current face vice i think i would lose some of its effectiveness because the joiner is so close to it. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is that my bench top is only about three quarters of an inch thick. And while I haven't pulled out the instruction manual, I know that the installation requires a bunch of rabbits and different levels of wood and a fair amount of, let's call it joinery on the underside of the bench to accommodate all the different pockets and things that still needs to fit for this, this vice. Yes. And so, I'm, I'm, as you're talking, I'm remembering our conversation with Freddie Roman. Mm-hmm. who was was working on installing another one of those or something like that. So and he's got a whole like pictorial on putting Yeah, it wasn't Freddie Freddie was talking with us about it. It was a another woodworker he mentioned oh, who right. who was okay, the one who installed gotten, it. Yeah, he, I, he had I, just gotten one. Yeah. yeah. Freddie was like, "Oh, I find them at Cra- on Craigslist all the time." And he apparently just got rid of all of his. He finds actual used Emerson vices. Um, yeah, that's right. But, anyway. but yeah, I remember there being quite a bit of if you can do it one way and you have some of the functionality, but if you want all of it, you've got to do a much more complicated excavation somehow underneath to make all that happen. Exactly. Um, and in your case, where you've got essentially a shell, you've got an apron and a thin top. You don't have much behind the apron or under the top. Um, either it, it's you once you excavate whatever you need to put that thing in there, it's just not going to be supported by anything. Exactly. Or, I think that yeah. much of the wood I would ha- have to excavate is simply not there in my my bench. Yeah. But so be- do you do you add something well, up underneath? That? I think I would have to because I think you do. on either side, so- like there's a it's a square post that allows the vice to spin and mm-hmm. pivot, and that square post needs to be able to when it when the jaw is at vertical. It, it, it kind of slides up into the underside of the bench. Mm-hmm. But I think that on either side of that post, 
The bench needs to be thicker to accommodate the mounting brackets. So I think I would have to be building out the underside of my bench to fit, fit the vice by no means impossible, but to do all that work and have to move the location of the vice or maybe shorten the bench to get it away from my joiner. So I have better access to it. I think that that's probably more work than it is worth investing in this crappy bench. So then I, I was considering, well, maybe I'll just make a new bench top and just, I'll, I'll take my existing bench and I'll cut the bench top off flush with the legs so it doesn't overhang mm. anymore. And I'll make right. a new bench top and I'll drop it right on top of the existing bench top and it'll overhang the sides. And I'll mount my pattern maker's vice to the new top and I won't bother making a whole new bench right now. Because while I ultimately do want to make a bench, I don't want to make a bench now, but I want my vice now. So I, I'm torn by the different priorities of things. Call me crazy, but I have a fairly good image of your shop from the times that you've shared it, but your chop station is on your left. Your bench is towards the back. Yes. Okay. So, and I understand your joiners tucked back in there in the corner and your, your table saws on the right. And I mean, you've, you, you, you're confined in your things. Is there any way that this vice might be usable because of its application on your chop station instead of your bench? Okay. Hmm. That's interesting because I will admit that, are you familiar with Shannon Rogers' joinery bench? Yes. Okay. Well, there's another option. It, ha- yeah. I ha- it has occurred to me to simply make a joinery bench, but put the pattern maker's vice on it instead of a moxin or a twin yes. screw. Um, however, to, to, to tie that back to my miter saw station, um, mm-hmm. The short answer is yes, I could make it work. Um, but actually, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> the short answer is no, I can't make it work. I was okay. going to say yes, I could, but I would, to, I would have to seriously reinforce the attachment of right now. The miter saw itself is the, the bench that the miter saw physically rests on is bolted to the wall and has two legs that come up to support it. It's perfectly mm-hmm. stable for the miter saw, but not necessarily stable enough to attach a swinging metal vise to. Yeah. And my outfeed wing is only attached to the wall with two metal brackets. Again, it's stable enough to just rest a piece of wood on, but I wouldn't want to be banging on it or, to work on or it. Okay. swinging on it. But then as I stop and think about it, I can't mount it to the, to the bench that actually holds the miter saw because the miter saw would be in the way. Mm-hmm. And I can't mount it to the outfeed wing because... When I finally put the mobile base on my joiner, the joiner will fit underneath the outfeed wing. <laughs> my miter saw and my miter saw wing are especially high, specifically to allow the joiner to fit underneath them. <laughs> okay, I, um, I knew I, as I said it, I remembered that that was a thing that you, the storage underneath. And I knew that that was a bit of a cantilevered shelf. Um, so, but, but I knew also that sh- that outfeed thing because it's made of your LVLs. It's a bit thicker. It is. It's it's a it's a timber strand. It's a true two by four timber strand. strand. So right, it's right. it's three and a half. By the time I planed it, it's probably three and a quarter inches thick, something like that. So yeah, yes, it is, is. It is absolutely the appropriate thickness. Right. Mm. Um. Well, it sounds like you could use a bench top upgrade. It it does. <laughs> um, um. And honestly, I mean, without looking at the specifics of what that. Uh, that your particular pattern maker's vice says 
are the requirements to install it so thick, so long, so deep, whatever. Um, I, I don't, gosh, I don't know what your best recourse is either adding in just enough to hold that. And, and that might be me put a two by six underneath there and use that to mount it to instead of the cavity that is underneath mm. your bench. Um, because ultimately what you need to do is just attach it, but then you still have that, the joiner issue, your other vice, you know, do you need to then? Ah, yeah, you've got a conundrum. Mm. It's much easier if you've got a bench there that you can get to the other end of. And so say you've got a, you've got a tail vice on one end mm-hmm. and you put the pattern makers on the other end of it. It's I, not in the way it's not above I, and it works. I you think my initial, regardless of what bench it finally goes on, Mm-hmm. I think my initial plan is to put it in the location of a traditional face vice, which from a right-handed person like myself would be on the left. Yes, um, the left, left And side. I, okay. I, I am absolutely open to the fact that I might realize this is really cool for power carving and it sucks for general work holding and I need to do something else with it and return to a traditional face vice or a leg vice. Um, but at least initially... That's- my intention is to put it where the face vice goes. Right. Any option to put the face vice on the other side. So you really still have both of those and just make your whole, your whole bench surrounded by clamping or Um, vicing. I could do that. Uh, as I'm staring at the bench now, it would probably actually be easier in that case to install the pattern makers vice just on the right, on the right and leave the traditional vice where it goes because all things being equal, the traditional vice when you're clamping a board that extends out on on the right hand side against the face of the bench mm-hmm. you can work it and that's why you know a right-handed vice goes on the left and vice versa but with the right. pattern makers vice i'm not doing that i'm i'm going to be you know working Vertic- pieces that are set, set vertically basically right largely um, right so i i'm assuming that for the purpose of, of shaping and power carving whether the vice is centered left or right is less relevant than for a traditional face vice. Um, plus, the face vice is already concern? mounted to the left. So if I was going to yeah, move yeah. a vice, why don't I just put the put the um, put the pattern maker's vice somewhere else on the face? Right. Is there any concern with just where the bench is and where your other things are? What a better working location for you would be like right now. If you've you've done some power carving, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you've clamped it in your face vise. Yes, the power carving I've done has it. either been with a face vise or with a combination of clamps. Or mm-hmm. I have my um, my benchmark table. People have seen it. Oh. If you ever seen my videos, um, right? The benchmark table goes out in the driveway, and I clamp to that. Right. Um, it, so in in that regard, I'm envisioning you walking up to a a bench that is wider left to right to you and the bench it's being held on the left hand side and you're holding this thing with your right hip closer to the bench and you're carving on it does that change if the bench is on the other side and now your left hip is on the bench and you're working in a different direction i think rather than i would just orientate myself differently i'm thinking rather than essentially be facing you know with my hip facing the bench i would turn so my front was facing the bench and mm-hmm. and the vice would change the way the work is held and allow me to change my position. I'm thinking back to Jeff Miller has a book mm-hmm. <laughs> about 
I forget what it's called, but it's about, you know, positioning yourself for work and being most effective. And a lot of it comes down to move the piece so that your stance is productive rather than get in some awkward position to reach the piece. Sure. Um, yeah, and I, I, his name was on, on the tip of my tongue. I was just about to say Fundamentals of something? I, I, fundamentals of woodworking. I is think. that it? I think it is. Okay. I can picture the that cover. Really ring, that really um, rings a bell, and I absolutely can picture the cover. Yeah. Um, you've taken a class from him, and I haven't, so you might know a little better. But um, for sure, it that's a the ergonomics is a concern yeah. when you're putting something like that in, and especially if you're adding, if not replacing an existing work holding thing. I mean, it, how you're going to come to it, what room you have around it will determine its placement. Maybe there, and the, the hitch of it is, I guess there's no way to make this thing easily removable what? for those cases where you you're power carving one day and the next project has you working on the long edge of a board that you need the front of your bench to use. Correct. I don't think that it's removable in that sense. I'm going to say that you just unscrew bitch, it, you know? but I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Un- I don't think so. I, I'll unscrew it when I realize, you know what, this doesn't work. I need to find a new solution. But I'm not going to unscrew right. it just to to plane a board. But again, all things being equal, that's not the kind of work I do. So mm-hmm. I I can't imagine a scenario where I have a board clamped to the face of my bench and I'm planing the edge. <laughs> so th- think about this. Uh, instead of worrying about the pattern maker's vice, getting up whatever thickness bench kind of bench doggy thing to go in your face vice that is the same distance away that your pattern maker back jaw is and now you can clamp between two clamps parallel hmm. that's interesting that's right? very interesting you that's simpler than doing the opposite uh-huh no absolutely it is absolutely it is and that that piece would be removable leaving the pattern maker's vice proud of the face of the bench which allows right. better access for the, the curved pieces. Right. That's, that's in, a very good idea. In times of so. need, something only as wide as your face vise would just need to be set in there to sta- lay on top of your bench and drop down inside the jaw and just stand that jaw out a little bit. You'd lose some of the capacity, but I think you, your face vise probably has a fair amount of capacity. Um, that the Whatever that is, three-quarters to two inches, I don't know how far that is. It's some, it, yeah, I don't know either, but it's going to be in somewhere in there, right? Whatever okay. that happens to be, and then you have this, uh, you know, non-parallel vice setup where you two, have two physical jaws that you can move and and just squeeze them, and whatever it is at that point, as long as the board's not a quarter inch thick, it's at least going to hold it between two points. That's that's very intriguing, and then just put the pattern maker's vice right in the middle of the bench, or middle close, or to closer the right to the side. right. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, placement exact, it's up to you. Uh, but yeah, that I, th- that I think is a little easier than, than again, doing something else to all, all, ultimately hide the pattern maker's vice to make it face vice-ish. That's, That's a much bigger application. I, okay, so I'm, think, I'm considering that. Now, as I look at my bench now, I have my Sojaberg bench, bench top bench thing on, in the middle, and it, it's held mm-hmm. on. On the in the back, I have a hold fast holding down, holding it down in one of the two right. rear hold down points, and in the front, it's being held down by two quick clamps clamping it to the front of my bench. But okay, right the scenario we're describing, the pattern maker's vice would block one of those quick clamps. But all I need to do okay. is attach that to a piece of plywood 
Or no, mm-hmm. all I need to do for that is is attach a, a board, fasten a board to the front. Soljaberg has two, let's call them feet, and they run the width of it, not the length of it. So they're running parallel with the face of the main bench. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and they're they're like an inch thick, and then they run in about an inch, and then they curve up to catch the underside of the bench. So it creates this little lip on on all on the either end of the two feet to create four lips in total. And okay. in, the, in the front, they're held on by quick clamps. In the back, I've got a hold fast on them. What I could hold do fast. is for right. the front one, I could screw another board running pa- running lengthwise along that foot. And that mm-hmm. board, rather than rest on top of the bench, could be captured by a vice. And then sure. in the back, I could still capture it by a hold fast. Yeah. So that would allow me to, to still use the Soldierberg and not need the quick clamps to hold it on because the quick clamps, again, I couldn't use them because the pattern maker device would be in the way. But that, that mm-hmm. bypasses that. Then to the right of that, I have my benchtop drill press on the on the bench, <laughs> okay. which often goes away tucked in a corner of the shop on the floor. But when it's in use, it lives on the bench. Um, I needed it to build my winning hardwood derby car. Mm-hmm. So that's sitting on the bench right now with another uh, with another quick clamp just holding it in place so it doesn't vibrate and move along the bench. But really, all I need to do is say either I have the drill press or the Soldierberg. Uh, but there's in practical terms, there's no reason why I really need them both attached to the bench at once. Right. So I think that the pattern maker's vice, excuse me, could could absolutely work if installed in the center or the right side of the, uh, of the bench. That's very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Depending on the, cause how, how long is your bench? It's roughly six five, foot. Six foot. Five. Uh, um, it's probably six foot. If as I look at it, something, something tells me that cause your, your existing face vice is a few inches off the left edge as you're looking at it. Right. The left side of my face vice is flush with the left end of the bench. Oh, so it is the very left, yeah. leftist as it gets. I, to me, three feet from there, having the center of of your pattern maker's vice seems like a short distance. Um, maybe, but it also makes it probably that's a better working position. Because uh, what right right now, if you were to get a five foot long board, mm-hmm. you clamp it in your face vice and then you do you have a dog on the other leg or something that's holding it or a clamp underneath or something. I would, because, because I have an apron that sticks down below the bottom surface of the bench. What I would do Mm -hmm. is I would use a, if assuming it's not a particularly wide board, I would clamp Mm -hmm. it catching the backside of my apron and, and use a clamp to hold it on. Um, or I do have, I do have dog holes in the, in the right front leg of the vice the one that's on the opposite end is the face vice but that, so that leg long enough. as it's a scandinavian style bench that leg is not flush with the apron the leg is recessed about, right. about three quarters of an inch in from the apron um so right. i can't really clamp mm. against that leg it's just i could put a peg in there if i wanted to and it would hold the board up hold on which is enough honestly it uh, is but again that's an operation i've never attempted to do if i if i yeah. have a five foot board that i need to join the edge of it's going across my joiner. When you and you have a good joiner for that exact purpose. But just saying, uh someday when you 
Um, okay, well, actually, so let's let's invoke the Schwarz rules of workbench holding. Okay. Can it? Can you build? Or what was it? Like the cabinet door thing? I think he's got a thing. Like, can it clamp a cabinet door? Which means, can you work on the face of it? Can you work on the edges of it in all their dimensions? Now that's shorter than six feet, so you got something floating in the middle. And so he's got this whole thing where you got dogs that are going to hold it, or pegs, or that's a sliding dead man idea. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a very you know in in those style benches. Um, would placing your vice roughly three feet in the middle give you some of that? Because now you have. Well, with your face vice, you've got limited edge clamping capability because I'm guessing the rails are pretty close to the sides of it. So you can't exactly pinch things. Like if you were to slide, to slide a cabinet door on the face of your vice or face of your bench. If I were to put a cabinet door on the it. face of my vice, what I would, on the face of my bench, what I would do is I would catch the left side yes. of it with the right side of my face vice. With, okay. And I use, I have the and then put, Lee Valley sells that plastic thing with all the different tabs and they kind of slide mm-hmm. into it to stop the racking. Um, works amazingly yes. well. It's like it's more expensive than it should be. It's like twenty bucks or something, but it works amazingly well. Um, mm-hmm. So I would use that to capture the left side of the uh, of the cabinet Device. door. Oh, right, right, um, right, right. And then the right side of the cabinet door, I would use probably just a quick clamp and catch the face of the mm-hmm. cabinet door and the back side of the apron and clamp that. And that would let me work on the top surface or the side. If I if I rotate the door 90 degrees, it would let me work on the side of the cabinet right. door. Um, the issue with that, though, is because because my legs are, n- are set back from the apron of the bench, right. what I would love to do is, for stability, throw a third clamp on that cabinet door down mm-hmm. near the bottom that clamps the leg, whether it be a hold fast or a quick clamp, or it doesn't particularly matter – just to, just to to hold it and and keep it against the leg and give it a lot more stability. Um, yeah, I can't do that. So right, that is a deficiency in the bench. Now, if we add the pattern makers bench, I still have that deficiency, and now I have something in the way. So and you do, and that's that's the positioning of it is a concern because no, you may not you may not edge joint a five foot board, but you may pick up oh i don't know uh, a seat of a of a chair because i know you made those and now is there a way that you could have these two clamps work together but the the lack of variability of the placement where a sliding dead man can move around you can put a dog in it and boom you can hold it from a bunch of different places you're talking about placing something somewhere in the middle to right side that is going to be a fixed point now your 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 standard face vice and clamp will still work in certain cases where it spans the gap. Then now your pattern maker vice could work again, maybe with that application of putting something in the face vice to make the, the back jaws flush. Um, but I mean, I, yeah, you're going to be living kind of in, in both worlds. I don't know. If you'll ever get that, that good blending where yeah. you always know you can variably work on things of varying sizes, whether it be a, a large something that's three feet square, not thick, but you know, square in, in the length and width or something that is considerably smaller, like I, I, anywhere, anything else. I mean, it, the vices by themselves can hold whatever stable enough. Your pattern makers vice 
can hold can rotate so it can actually that's its advantage is that mm-hmm. your face vise can hold a lot if you drop something into it and less if it's holding it from the edge because you've got a jaw or you know a, a rail on the other side that wants to rack the 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 clamp as you're tightening so you got to block that off that's fine but still you're only holding onto a very little bit on the side of it pattern maker can rotate 90 degrees and clamp it's whatever jaw depth is onto the onto that piece in in that vertical location and maybe that's fine for a six inch eight inch long or wide board now to be held up i don't know yeah i I just don't know like there's i'd hate to think that you whatever it takes to install this thing you put it and then the next thing you do you go oh damn it it's that's they're just too close together Mm. i think too far is less a concern there's ways of around getting around that, and you've always have your clamp to go back to if it's just somewhere in, in no man's land, and you still have the the pattern maker's variability, power carving ability on the other side of it. But if you put it in the middle, I think you may maybe run into this thing where oh crap, you know this thing is 23 inches wide, and that just doesn't squeeze between the two. It just doesn't work. Because you have a limit to where that jaw, where the pattern maker's jaw, if you were to face it, you would rotate it 90 degrees counterclockwise. So the jaw is now looking at your face vise. You ha- you're going to create some set distance, a definite maximum that you could hold in between those two vices if you put it there. And I just would hate to think that you limit yourself by placing that you know, pattern maker's vise in that in any particular location. Mm. But that's a really concern about what you know you work on. I mean, the sizes of stuff you normally See, use. I, at first, I was saying, well, while I understand these issues, they're not issues I encounter. But as I stop, <laughs> really stop and consider it, there are pieces where it would be in the way. And I'm not, I'm not yet convinced that the pattern maker's vice truly means I can move the workpiece entirely and I don't have to move at all. I Mm -hmm. think that even with the workpiece being moved, it reduces my own movement, but I still need to approach it from different angles. So in terms of what I think would be the best, I'm actually leaning towards a joinery bench idea like Shannon has Mm -hmm. with the pattern maker's vice installed in it. Do you have room for that? No, not at all. <laughs> and that's what I'm thinking of is where the hell do I put it? Um, how, how how big do you make that? Is that thing just two feet square on top? So it's a peg-legged, two-foot square, three-and-a-half feet tall. I'm going to say bench. that it is at most two feet square, maybe less. Okay. Wow, really smaller than that? Um, I, At some point, yes, it could be. Um, I mean, I realize your limitations, but I've seen his too, and his is like three feet square, yeah. and it doesn't seem that big. It it is admittedly very small, but I'm not I'm not necessarily using the top as a bench per se. Like it's a component of the vice mostly, and if I need to, you know, clamp a piece to to do a little bit of joinery or cut a cut something on it. If I put the two clamps, you're, you know, I'll use dog holes and put two holdfasts, and let's say they're 18 inches apart, I can work, even if it's sticking out the edge, I think I can still work on the one end that's on the bench, I think. Maybe I'm being naive, but I, I yeah. think that would work. What I would frankly do is, 
there's that square post that is the component of the pattern maker's vise, which is what moves in and out to move the outer jaw in and out. Right. I would determine from from the front mounting point of the pattern maker's vise to the back of that square post, how deep does a bench have to be to accommodate mm-hmm. the vise? And I would start there and perhaps go a little bit bigger if I had to, perhaps not, depending on what I had to do. Um, and as I'm staring at my shop, on the right-hand side of the shop, as you come in, you've got my bandsaw, my table saw, this rack of drawer units, um, mm-hmm. like mechanics-type drawers. They're, they're ch- much cheaper than that, but that's I have that up against the right-hand side. And then just past that, I have big Rubbermaid garbage pail filled with mostly clamps, a seven inch grinder, my drill NATOs and some pads. Wow. Um, and it's not my, my parallel clamps are hanging in my racks in the, in the left hand mm-hmm. corner. My quick clamps are hanging in racks on the right hand corner. And I actually have some pipe. I need to make another quick clamp rack cause I've run out of space, but that's neither here nor there. In this garbage pail, I have all of my F-style clamps. I have right. all of my um, – what are the wooden ones called there? Um, uh, wooden, uh, wooden clamps. They are wooden clamps, but there's a name for them. Something jaw clamps? Some, something. Wood, but they're the traditional wooden, wooden ones with the two wooden, wooden jaws and the two handles that you can twist screws. to open. Um, I've got them. I've got a couple of strap clamps. Um a couple of like the the clicky type, almost like plier type clamps. I don't know what they're all called, but the, my my less specifically woodworking clamps are in that. Right. I could replace that with a, let's call it a joinery bench, for lack of a better description. Um, I'll mm-hmm. crib off Shannon, um, mm-hmm. and I could make a clamp rack underneath it that holds all these clamps. Right now, they're just literally in a garbage pail. Um, right. So one thing I've never sorted out since we moved um, nine years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> they've never gotten a proper home. So I could do that. But, but my reluctance to do that as I really sit here and listen to you and talk about this and consider it is that if I use a small bench, let's say it is 24 by 24, mm-hmm. it's going to be relatively high. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking I'm staring across the room at my regular bench now with the Sojaberg bench on top of it. And I'm going to say my regular bench is probably in the neighborhood of 30, 31 inches. I don't know for a fact. And the Sojaberg probably adds five to six inches on top of that. So let's say it's at 36 inches. I don't know exactly. Okay. Um, in my head, that's that's not as tall as Shannon's joinery bench because I saw Shannon's joinery bench years ago. And maybe, it seemed to be. Yeah, maybe it there. is. I don't know. He's he's a good couple inches taller than I am. So, um, but in, in any event, I think that the height of the Sojaberg benchtop bench on top of my bench is about the height I would want. Um, and this, frank, this, frankly, the stability of a two feet or less square thing that tall is would be in question absolutely and now i looked down at the floor and my floor is three quarter inch osb so i could Mm -hmm. easily screw it down to the floor and that's that solves my stability issue however and 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 a cross brace or two 
Well, yes, yes. I need the <laughs> the bottom of the bench, while not necessarily heavy, needs to be stiff and prevent mm-hmm. racking. No question about that. Yes. Um. Yes. Quite frankly, if I make if I make it four legs and I put plywood in between the legs on the sides and perhaps in the back on three sides, it's not going to rack. Plywood is a wonderful right. stabilizer, and I'm not it ashamed is. to use it. it. Is. No, no, um, it's fine. But if I screw it down so it doesn't move, where do I put it? If I put it against mm-hmm. the wall where my current clamp rack is and I build a clamp rack into the bottom of it, mm-hmm. uh, it's of it, there are shelves above it. It's tight to the wall. I think that's of minimal use. I think yep. as I think about where I'd want to use it, I'd want to use it kind of in the middle of my shop. But I can't mm-hmm. screw a bench down in the middle of my shop. Nope. Um so I, and frankly, as as the the what you're talking about, how how, how tall and, and slender as that is, uh, mobility is probably not the best thing for it. Just exactly. because it's gonna be it's it's gonna be top heavy. No, no matter. Um, well, I mean, you could make. Well, I really, could I could add weight six to the by bottom. Six legs and hang a hang a sandbag from the middle of the bottom at the top. But exactly. There, I could artificially add weight to the base to make it so it's not top heavy. But mm-hmm. then it becomes this monstrously heavy thing, which from a stability standpoint would be good, but it becomes a nightmare to move around. And even if it's stable, I don't think I want a bench that's on wheels. Like the, yeah. right now my bench is fairly heavy and stiff as hell, and it still moves more than I'd like. Right. So, so I, mm, what if you mm, Frankenstein a bit of a thing together and made your own version of a bench on bench, except it had a pattern maker's vice in it. That's a very intriguing idea. Um, (laughs) I mean, it it may weigh 80 pounds and, but I think you could get it to fit. I think you could mimic the size of the, I hate that name. Sojaberg. I, I present. I presume I'm pronouncing it right when I say Sojaberg, but I, I, I have no idea. Sojaberg. It's S J O um, with an umla above it. How the hell do you pronounce that? I don't know. I think it's Sjoberg, but I don't know. Sure. Anyway, that thing. I think it'll need to be slightly taller to fit a pattern maker's vice inside with its operations. But there is there a way to make that happen? I love the so, concept of that. Yeah. And I really feel bad throwing cold water on it, but I see <laughs> t- I see two problems with it. One is the one you've already named. It would be the vice itself is heavy, and to build mm-hmm. it into what's essentially a, a, a removable bench would make that very heavy. That's, very not, heavy. that's right. not a reason not to do it, but mm-hmm. it is a downside. It would be very heavy. It's a thing kind of like I think your bench on bench right now is it is – it's convenient because you can take it off, but because of what it is, it's probably not going to come off all that often. Exactly. You're going to um, find a way to use it instead of remove it and use the bench underneath exactly. it. Exactly. Right. Um, but the second issue I see with that is that for the pattern ma- – when the pattern maker's vice is swung up so that it's no longer clamping things vertically but moving them much more – much closer to horizontally. Mm-hmm. That square post that is essentially the shaft that moves in and out to move the outer face in and out. That shaft yeah. moves from the traditional horizontal positioning 
of the screw and pins you would have in a normal vice that run mm. parallel with the top of the bench. Yes. That shaft needs to be able to drop down because it's always perpendicular oh. to the face of the vice. So yeah. as the vice face goes up, it goes down. So if I made it into a bench top bench, regardless of weight, it would hit the bench and stop. And that's an that's a non starter. So I don't in order to make it a bench top bench, I'd have to cut a slot in the top of my bench. Not gonna happen. No. Not thick enough to allow for that to happen. No, and quite frankly, I don't want a notch in the middle of my bench. Uh, yeah, understandable. No, so I don't know. You, um... Well, I have... Yeah. Well, I have, <laughs> I I have enjoyed this conversation. I was optimistic. No a solution. <laughs> I was optimistic that when we were all done, I would know what I was going to do. Um, because at least mm. personally, I find... Dis- even if the other party just says, mm, uh-huh, oh, okay, then I, I often find just vocalizing and talking through an issue in a form that explains it to someone else, I find that very helpful in figuring out the resolution myself. Um, and I was optimistic that that's what would happen here. But I've, while I've absolutely appreciated and valued all your input, and it's all good points, you're familiar enough with my shop to be able to point accuracies out, um, I still don't know what I'm going to do. And for that, I apologize. No, it's, <laughs> here's what I want to do is up in the attic, I have a Veritas pattern maker's vice. I got an eBay probably six to eight years ago. Still in the box. The guy I bought it from never opened the box. Um, if you're, and I say a Veritas pattern maker's vice, it's a Veritas twin screw vice. Excuse me. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And if okay. you're familiar with the t- twin screw vice, years ago it had a different cover for the for the chain than the current cover. I just know the plastic one. The black it's plastic. still plastic, but it was a little different. Mine is the older version. Okay. Um, okay. it's it's that old, but I didn't pay much money for it. I got it, like I said, off eBay. Um, that's in a box, literally brand new, up in the attic. I also have um, a combination of Veritas or Lee Valley, because they're not made in the U.S. or Canada, which precludes it from being Veritas branded. It's Lee Valley. Okay. Um, bench, like a screw. It's an Acme thread. It's I don't forget. It's not the veneer press. I forget which actual screw it is, but it's not a full vice. It's just a screw piece. Oh. And I, I, have, okay. a, I have a Grizzly knob a little wheel <laughs> with the with the spinning handle that i had custom machined to fit on the lee valley screw because the the uh the mortise in the wheel didn't fit the tenon in the screw um so i've had i have that and i have a i don't know 6 year old verbal challenge from Aaron Marshall to make that into a leg vice. And Aaron, I have not forgotten. Um, so I guess what I'm pointing at is I have this. Oh, and also up in the attic, I have the legs for a bench I was going to build years ago and they've been in the attic so long they've warped. And I think I just need to scrap them and, and start from scratch again. Cause after I had that discussion with Aaron, I was all psyched about it and I bought some hardware and I was ready to start building a bench and then life got in the way. Um, 
So I have no end to the bench components that I have. And over time, I've gone from having a definite idea of what I wanted to bench to, I know people say, do some work and figure out what works for you. Yeah. Over time, my idea of exactly what I wanted to bench, in many regards, it has solidified. And in some regards, now I have no clue what I want, whereas before I was just going to do something. Um, so it, it's a double-edged sword knowing, uh, you know, the more you learn. Um, yeah. So I mentioned all that because I don't want the pattern maker's vice to just become another fancy vice sitting those. in my attic. Um, I want so to be able to use it. You've, you've got all the makings of, <laughs> you've got so many things. Um, you could make any manner of leg and that had a leg vice and a pattern maker's vice in a tail vice position. Mm -hmm. What I, what I could make is one of those benches you see in a school where it's like basically square and on each face I could put a different style vice. If I only had a place to put that. Yes. What I haven't mentioned is I also have a Veritas quick release tail vice. (laughs) Depending on what all of those vices need as far as, uh, holding mm. is there do you could you survive on a, a, a vice that was oh say two and a half feet maybe three feet square that had four different vices on the four corners and maybe mm. you could drag it out of the corner if you needed to get to that back one that's the least seldom or most seldom so you, used what you're saying is make a, a two and a half to three feet square i'm gonna say it's slightly oversized but sure essentially a um a joinery bench but with different vices on each on each face that's that's intriguing yes i i don't know that you'd necessarily see the benefit between a face vice and a leg vice other than the novelty of making your leg vice because it's mm. a frankenstein it's quite frankly ma- i don't have face. of all the vices i have i don't have a a reasonable quality face vice i have yeah the hardware yeah. to make a kick-ass leg vice. Yep. I have a twin screw vice. Yep. And Which I have great, an end vice. But I yep. don't have a decent face vice. So I would probably use the leg vice instead of the face vice. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, I mean, and that might work for you. I don't, if, uh, but it would be, we'd have to make it big enough to hold your Stojberg bench top bench so you gotta have dog holes in it that can hold that thing and what'd you say that is like 16 inches in one dimension yeah something like that yeah so that's still got to be a possible application i mean we're trying to put five pounds of crap into a okay i 10 pounds of crap into a five pound box i think i've realized (laughs) what i need to do and that is Okay. This very last bit of the conversation, I appreciate it. Thank you, Sean. It has it has kind of gelled <laughs> in my mind. I'm not sure that this is what I will do because it's a lot of work, but I think this is what I need to do is I need to make my new bench, which I've always understood I need to do, but I need to make my new bench now because my current bench simply can't accommodate what I need to do with it. Mm-hmm. But the discussion of all the other vices I have kind of brought this to the head. So I need to make my new bench – and it needs to be some sort of a hybrid between a Rubo and like Bob Lang's 21st century bench. I'm not going to get into the 
nitty gritty of exactly which one it's more like, but I need to have legs that are flush with the face. Yep. I'm going to use in the traditional tail vice position, the Veritas quick release tail vice that I have in the box. Okay. Um, in the face vice position, I can put the leg vice that I have. Mm-hmm. And what I'm thinking is we've all seen bench designs where you can lift one side and kind of flip wheels down and then it rests on those wheels and it becomes mobile. But when you lift mm-hmm. the side and kick the wheels out, it's resting on real feet and the wheels don't make it any less stable. Yeah, Megan's glue bow is done that way. E- exactly. So I think I yep. need to do that. And then what I need to do is on the on, the, on the left end, oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. install the pattern maker's vice. Yep. So that it's so completely been, out of the way when I'm using it as a traditional bench. Right. But when I put the wheels on it, I can swing it out in so that the right side is still in the corner where it would normally be. And the left mm-hmm. side kind of swings out into the middle of my shop and mm-hmm. I can do power carving on it. Yep. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So the – yeah. So it's otherwise it's tucked back kind of where your jointer is nearby now. But in, in some – reasonable amount of time your jointer is going to be less over there and mm. somewhat underneath yeah, the, your the problem station. with this solution while i i think on reflection that this is the correct long-term solution the problem right. with this solution is that it requires that i a actually complete the mobile base on my jointer and set that yes. up so the jointer can retract underneath the bench underneath the mm-hmm. chop saw right. and then b build a new bench from scratch uh-huh but what is your bench going to be? It's going to be legs of something, and it's going to be timber strand top. No, well, it's going to be an LVL top. LVL top. Um, as much as I love the timber strand, the fact of the matter is, for a bench, the timber strand is too soft. Oh, okay. Um, so it will be an LVL top, and I actually already have all the LVLs. And because oh. Aaron Marshall, well, you didn't mention you didn't mention that in your list of materials before. Oh well, you already you have a bench top materials as well yeah i've not i've not assembled it i literally just have a stack of lvls <laughs> in the attic like right. i have six foot cutoffs of lvls that i stole from work and awesome um so i anyway um i have i was thinking of a split top configuration be it either the 21st century bench or the slip a split top rubo mm-hmm. i have absolutely enough to make the front half of it which i think is the critical half because that's the half you beat on Mm-hmm. And I think I have enough to make the back half of it also out of LVL, but maybe the back half gets made out of Timber Strand. I'm not 100% sure. Um, sure. But I don't have enough LVLs for the legs. And as time goes on, I'm more and more convinced the legs should be LVL also, not Timber Strand, because again, the Timber Strand is just kind of soft. Maybe I'm. Right. I think I might be being too critical of the Timber Strand. The Timber Strand is not going to crush or anything, so maybe it's not a big deal. Right. Um, and I have a very small section of glue lamb, which is just mm. the right size to make the face of my leg vice. Because mm-hmm. as per my uh, challenge from Aaron Marshall, the bench needs to be made entirely of man-made materials. Oh, okay. All right. So that then that solves the leg thing. Because I was going to think, like you, you could honestly get some decent posts of some other wood besides timber strand or oh a- or no that. absolutely then, i could i could go i could get, make the legs out of oak or ash or sure, maple yeah. i mean there's or no, any yeah I mean, yeah 
plenty of options. Uh, technically, it's man-made if you glue them together for Aaron's <laughs> case. If you can write um, me a note that I can give to Aaron and he buys it, <laughs> I'll go for that. But I, I accepted his challenge. I can't, I can't let him down. Yeah. I mean, if they didn't grow together, technically, they're man-made by being put together. What I'd love to, to find is just more off-cuts of glue lamps because they're stable yeah. as anything and like they're they're amazing um but i don't even know where you buy one like we 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 managed to break one at work so we had to replace it so Whoa. we had a little cut off and i took the cut off and it's like i don't know it's probably three and a half inches thick by 10 inches wide maybe eight inches wide by like three foot long so it's mm-hmm. it's just enough that i can make a leg vice out of um, yeah, but I would need another piece like twice as big to make the four legs out of. Um, but I we would... had man, you just made me remember it. We we put a beam in a house years ago when I was building houses. That was a a glue lamb. That I think it was stacked two by sixes, so it was five mm-hmm. and a half inches wide, and it ended up being more than twelve inches tall. That's a serious glue lamb. It was spanned and, at some thirty feet of a ranch. Like okay. it was huge. For for listeners who may not be familiar with framing <laughs> lumber, could you mind explaining what a glue lamb is? As long as it's what I'm thinking of, I mean, it literally is pressed together construction grade lumber with it's glued and laminated, a beam made of glued and laminated construction lumber. Right, in, and it's in, like two by four, degrees. two by six. That's glued two by together. Four to two by, and it just it looks ugly as sin because it's got this orangish glue all over it, pressed okay. into every void possible. I was thinking but it then looks it's, sweet. Well, I know. But then it's milled to be consistent in in its dimensions, so it's not like all hairy and just just glued up. It's it's um I don't know, it looks like it's rough more roughly done than if you were to get two two by sixes and glue them together. You know, it it is it's an industrial look to it where they get smashed together with copious amounts of adhesive um, and they stick together. I mean, I I don't know. (laughs) This thing was definitely none of these individual pieces in this thing were as long as the thing was. And it was just slammed together. It's, it's kind of like the macro version of what timber strand is as they are much bigger members glued together where timber strand is strands of things put together. I think that's a fair. Uh, yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, it, it really does look like a, like a in the, in what I'm thinking of remembering. It was like a stack of two by sixes. It does like, whoop, but it was enough two by sixes to be barely in my arms. Like I could barely hold it in my armpit and have my hand underneath it to to hold one end of it. That big, considering it's five inches, five and a half inches wide. But it was. I mean, it had to be every bit of twelve plus inches tall. And that's a big honking piece of uh, material, but they're not all that big, but yeah, that's, um, it should work. So essentially in your, in your leg vice, you would be looking at like tall striations of those members because the it's, yeah, it's deeper than it is wide. Yeah. No, it's wider than it is deep. It, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, all right. Uh, I think we've perhaps discussed how to mount my uh, my pattern maker device longer than is necessary. But Possible. If we've now arrived on the permanent answer, <laughs> what's the temporary answer to get me using this pattern maker device before I mount my mobile base on my joiner and build a new bench from scratch? 
That's where I don't know because I don't know how complex it is to get that thing installed. You've got to look at the instructions to see what the uh, minimum requirements are. And may, again, maybe we mentioned before, maybe that is just padding the underside of your bench mm. in whatever way is necessary to allow you to physically attach this thing. And yes, you, you may excavate a bit of the, the apron of your bench to allow that plate of the, of the vice to mount to. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if it didn't stay there over time. Especially no. if you're going to build a new bench. Eventually. Yeah, all but, things being equal, the I've had this existing bench too long. As I said, it was a is a crappy bench I bought on Craigslist. Um, right. So it's something that forced me to make a new bench. While it wouldn't help me actually produce anything as much as needs to be produced right now, um, I think in the long run it'd probably be good for me if I had to abandon this bench and build a proper bench. Yeah, I would say find find out what you need to do. It actually may save you a bit of headache if you don't have to excavate whatever that square shaft needs to go into but you can just put a block on either side of it Mm, yeah just build up the edges rather than excavate the middle exactly exactly i would think that there's a way of doing that without too much when you're not dealing with a three inch thick top you're actually dealing with something considerably thinner than that and you just need to fill in what's needed to hold it right um that you can put it in there all end of days it Hopefully it's not too much, possibly made out of scrap you got laying around, and you can at least put the vice itself through its paces a little bit to see mm. how much you, it's going to work and is it really doing what you want it to That's do. That's probably and, a good idea. And I, as, I, as I reflect yeah. on that, I think that the short-term solution is to install the vice in the middle or right side of my current bench. Mm-hmm. Um, I, would, I would tend towards the right. I think middle's a bit close mm. If you're ever going to hold something anywhere in there, I don't yeah. know. That's, that's the, just the mental block I have is that if I put it in, in near the right side right now, it's in the way of the drill press. But I have to realize uh, the drill press goes put it on the floor when I'm done with it. So yeah, the drill, drill um, press is it doesn't mobile. really matter where the drill press is. Right, the drill press, and really the next time the drill press comes up, the the bench on bench is on the ground, and you put the drill press over there. You know, there's there's options exactly and. Right. Even on a on most most of the time, I use the drill press in the Pinewood Derby cars, and that's about it. I occasionally yeah. I will use it two or three times during the year, but in hardwood derby season, it just lives on the bench. Yeah, but um, mostly in the late winter, early spring time. Exactly, exactly. And I've, I've quite frankly, right. I've not yet put it away, and the Boy Scouts just decided that they're going to do a Pinewood Derby race, which is traditionally a Cub Scout thing. Yeah. So apparently, I need to keep the keep it up. <laughs> Uh, but that is well, neither now here nor there. You've got a you've got a trophy to show them that you really know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> and you can say, "Yeah, I got this." They were talking about doing unlimited weight restriction. I was like, "Guys, that's a mistake because the cars will crash." <laughs> like, yeah, the, the weight restriction actually keeps the cars on the track, and there's an advantage to that because you actually get to race. Um, yes. So I was discussing with them how. At Finewood Working Live, we were allowed to use any type of wood we wanted, but no additional weight. And they were intrigued by that. Now, it's Boy Scouts. So the mm. boys decide what we're doing, not the adults. Um, ah. So we will see what kind of rules they actually set for this thing. And hopefully, they're rules that make it entertaining. If all the cars are just unlimited weight and they crash, that's yeah. not necessarily going to be, you know, that's kind of cool on the, on the, uh, in theory, but it actually leads to really sad racing. 
Yeah, and as long as the Plucky children don't show up with purple timber strand cars. Just well, I'm, I'm I'm rotating my uh, hardwood derby winning car in my hand right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can hear the wheels. Yeah, as, <laughs> as cool as it is, it's um, if it's an unlimited weight class, it's not going to win. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think uh, you put that one on the shelf with a trophy. Yeah, no, it's yep. not. It's not racing again. As I put yep. my chin into the microphone. Um, <laughs> all right, so. I think we've beat a dead horse to death. I think so. I, I wish um, you the best of luck. And I, your, I appreciate that. This will be a pattern makers adventure, a journey that uh, hopefully people enjoy. Um, I hope so. But with that, uh, Sean, mm-hmm. it's been a week since our last episode. I'm sure you mm-hmm. have a beer pick. I do uh, actually. And I shared with it with you on Twitter yesterday. Mm. Um, you did I, as I'm on the road. And if I were to say anything for tonight, it would be the free yingling lager I got at the embassy suites. Cause yes. <laughs> that's fine. But you know what my problem no. with yingling is what their black and tan is actually two mm-hmm. tans. Yeah. <laughs> and I find that fraudulent. And as soon as I figured that out, I was done. I, I, they're dead to me. Um, my dad loves that beer too. It's not bad. It's but not, it's not it's a not. black and tan. Just call no, it. No, it's not a black. Call it a tan and tan, and it'll be fine. It's a <laughs> good tan beer. I'll I'll agree with him. It is not a bad beer at all. Um, right. But they don't they don't make a stout to call it a black and tan. Though. Exactly. That's, that's the truth of it. Yep, I agree. But anyway, yeah. So sorry. Um, what I did what I did yesterday is I uh, I picked up a Dogfish Head sixty and ninety minute, and on your recommendation, I blended those two together to make a pseudo seventy five. No, no, it's not pseudo. It really is seventy five. Well, as I was talking to a guy at work, he's like, you know, no, it's they're they're the numbers on those are durations of hop and and fermentation. Exactly. So no, they didn't do it for seventy five minutes. You're doing a blend of here and a blend of, and it's a mix anyway. Anyway, is he so, an engineer? Tell him to go home yeah. back to his engineering school. <laughs> yes, I work with a bunch of engineers. 60 um, plus 90 divided by 2 is 75. It's 75 a 75-minute ale. Right. So that blend was very good, and I actually had a little bit of 90 left over. And so I, I sipped that first and then went into the blended 75, and it was considerably nicer i i like it it's not nearly as harsh as the 90 and the heidi's not 90 is not terrible um it's on the upper end of of uh ipa bitterness mm. um the 90 is i got 120 i've yet to taste it yet so i can only wait to try that the 90 is but, a touch harsh um mm-hmm. i would say it's, it's a little bit better a touch warmer you don't want to let it get too warm but you want to let mm-hmm. it warm up just a touch you don't want it right out of the fridge um, but without question, the 75 or the half 60, half 90. <laughs> yes. I have an engineer friend and he calls it 75. So your friend, is I, right. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, when, when dogfish head makes it themselves, they call it 75. I know. And that's what I was telling them. I was like, they do it too. They just blend their, their brews, but and they but, call it 75. Exactly. And to, and to any listener who's familiar with dogfish head, their 75 is wonderful. But their 75 is not just half 60, half 90. They add maple to it. And it's great, oh. but it's a touch sweeter than when you make it yourself. 
And personally, I prefer a homemade 75 to the store-bought 75. Yeah, it was it was slightly – it wasn't terribly sweet, but it was um, uh, it was smoother too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, which it, it was very nice. My wife – we – having two beers and blending them. My wife got one and I got one and, and, um, she, she really enjoyed it as well. It's, um, it's, it's a very good thing to do. So if you have 60 and 90 minute IPA from dogfish head available to you, pick up one of each, blend them together, share it with somebody. There's and, no uh, better reason for a one liter mug. <laughs> That's true. And I, I found out the reason I had some 90 minute left over the mugs I had them in, were probably closer to 10 ounce than 12 ounce. So I couldn't uh, get a full blend in there. But, uh. You need a full collection of dogfish head mugs like I have. Yeah, I've got pints. You know, what I've got now is a, is a collection of Glass City Marathon mugs. Uh, how many? <laughs> but we, you've only run it once, right? No, I've run the marathon twice. I've run oh. the half marathon two or three times. And well, my wife some, done, has done it twice too. So for some reason, they get the I same glasses. A couple weeks ago was your first full marathon. No, no, it was my third. Oh. Last year, Glass City was my first. Um, then I did Columbus, and then I did this Glass City again. So I, I've got three in, in, in a year in my under my belt. Oh, in a year. Wow. Okay. In a year. Yeah, well, so from Mar- from April to April, I did three. The, I'll have you know that the New York City Marathon runs through all five boroughs. I know it does. And, um, uh, that's kind of somewhat on the, the dream list, maybe. Well – you're you're crazy enough to do these stupid things, mm-hmm. so you might as well come out here and do do it. So, <laughs> you on. know what? I'll you meet you at the finish that, line with a beer. <laughs> that one's yeah, that one's early enough in the year that the weather is always a question. Oh, it's fucking cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's nasty. It's nasty that time of year. I, but I thought it's late in the year, isn't it? October? No, it's like early March. I'm almost certain it's, uh, it runs before Boston. Hold on a second. Let me. No, I, I think you're wrong. Look I, it up. No, no, I, no, I can do this out of my head because of births and deaths in my family. So just bear with me a second. Um, my children were born in December, which means my wife went into the hospital in October, which means that the marathon is in September or October. Oh, it's in the fall. Okay. The Boston okay. Marathon's in the spring. The New York yes. City Marathon is absolutely in the fall. Okay. But it's, it's still freaking cold. Yeah. Um, I'm doing Chicago this year, and that's in October. Oh. But it's historically warm. Okay. Um, almost one year was too warm. It was almost 90, oh my which God. is really weird. But so I'm, I'm – whatever. That's months away. I got to worry about that later. But um, New York maybe someday. It would be cool. I've never, I'll put you I've up. never been to the, the city proper. I'll put you oh, up, I'm, and then we'll – like the day or two afterwards, we'll tour the city. You don't want to do it before. No. Definite possibility. Anyway, so enough about me. Yes. What's your beer choice? Well, my beer tonight has been, uh, and it, it's a very good choice. I'm quite pleased with it. Has been the Harpoon Triple. Uh, what style is that? I don't know if I've had. It is a Belgian triple. triple. It it's is a Belgian a, triple. Okay. Yeah. So hmm. it is a uh, Harpoon is a brewery out of, uh, according to the label, it's out of Boston, Massachusetts, and Windsor, Vermont. But I think uh, historically they are a Boston brewery. Um. Harpoon makes a a good, I'm going to say old style because it's probably 10 or 15 years old, IPA. Um, but this is a Belgian blonde triple. And 
for what it was. It was very good. It it was um the Belgians are not hoppy. What's the other thing they are? They're uh, um uh malty, weedy? Yeah, sure. That <laughs> <laughs> isn't that that's that's the uh that's the old the mandate of of brewing out, out there was that it should only contain these ingredients and I think those were them. That was uh, like Are you confusing I, it with I, the I, German brewery? No, no, it was well. There's a thing, but it's they yeast. That's what it is. Yeast. yeast? It's the Belgian. Yeast. The Belgian ales are yeast. distinctive Belgian because yeast. of their yeast. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um. But anyway, it's a good Belgian triple. Not not the best okay. I've ever had, but for a bunch of you know bunch of guys in Boston, it's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. I'll look that up because I think I get harpoon here, so I'll have to see if I can get uh, harpoon triple. Yeah, and it, frankly, if you just get the Harpoon IPA, it's a good, solid IPA. But mm-hmm. the fact that IPAs have become like you know the beer du jour mm-hmm. over the past mm-hmm. five years, and the Harpoon IPA has been around, it's been on the market, damn, um, at least twenty years. I, I I know I could get it in college, so um, it's not in the current uber hoppy IPA class. It is a more if twenty years is traditional, it's a more traditional IPA, right. Uh, but it's still very good. Harpoon's a decent, solid brewery, and they don't ever package two lagers and call it a, a black and tan. So for that, <laughs> I appreciate them. For sure. All right. Let's wrap this up then. And I don't have anything in front of me to read, so I'm going to fly. Oh, come on, Sean. Where can people listen to us? Can. Okay. Well, that just about wraps up the show for now. So uh, if, I don't even say it. Um, if you're not already, find us on you or on uh, iTunes, subscribe to us there, or whatever your pod catcher of choice may be. Uh, be sure to rate us high, get more people to see us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize how reliant you were on show notes. So, yes, um, subscribe to us wherever you can. Visit us at modernwoodworkersassociation.com. You can follow us on any variety of social media. Um, and with all that, I am Diami Plotke of the Penultimate Woodshop and modernwoodworkersassociation.com. And my co-host, Sean, who is hiding in a hotel somewhere in the middle of <laughs> Ohio. Where are you from? Uh, I'm uh, at... Uh, at Sean W seventy eight on most of so, most social medias, including Untapped on at the cor- uh, on the corner workshop dot dot com, when it's ever been updated five years ago. <laughs> There's so much I could say about that, and I won't. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So, thank you for listening. Hopefully, you found a place to install your pattern maker's vice mm-hmm. and use it to make your wood not only smaller but curvier. And uh, until next week. We will see you on the interwebs. Take care.